That's uh, Bongeziwe Mabandla, Mlilo Wisizatu. And thank you so much once again for connecting. And uh, this is Lifetime Live with me, Chris Salda Dudumash. And we're talking World Tuberculosis Day, which was commemorated uh, yesterday, uh, the 24th of March. Um, this is commemorated worldwide. And uh, South Africa is no exception in just taking time out to reflect and look at how far we've come and uh, what are some of the um, loopholes that are still um, there in, in, in preventing us uh, from getting to zero uh, infections, especially when it comes to uh, tuberculosis and uh, to help us just unpack where we are and uh, just look at uh, whether we're winning against uh, tuberculosis in our country is uh, the Minister of Health, uh, Dr. Uh, Aaron Mzualedi. Good afternoon and welcome, Dr. Mzualedi. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon to the listeners. I thank you very much for having me. I really am tempted to say Dr. Pagishe. Um, Pagishe <laughs> Mutsualeti. That's my name also. I know. <laughs> uh, good afternoon. And uh, I mean, yesterday uh, was one of those days where you take time out to reflect on how far we've come. Um, a bit of concerns that were raised. But let's first start with uh, some of the positives uh, when it comes to how the country is responding to tuberculosis. How far have we come? Well, we have come a long way, Chriselda, because if, if I have to take back now that maybe it's a 10-year review because it's at the end of term, uh, according to the World Health Organization, the prevalence rate of TB, remember South Africa is one of the very high burden countries. Mm. In fact, most uh, Southern African countries are high burden countries uh, within SADC, unfortunately, because of uh, our high HIV AIDS prevalence. We were having 406,082 prevalence by, by 2009. It has dropped down to 327,000. Uh, remember, it's the 100,000 population. Sure. Yes, I, I'm sorry. No, this, this is not the 100,000 population. I'm counting the total number of people who were infected. You know? Okay. Uh, so by 2018, it's now 327,000. But when you look at the treatment success rate, it was 77% in 2009. By the end of last year, it was actually 87% success rate. Remember the, the recommended figure uh, uh, for TB's Q success rate was 85%. Now we have exceeded it by 2%. But since then, because the world wants us to end TB, they, they moved it to 90% mm-hmm. because of the 90. Remember, the 90-90 for HIV sure. were also adopted for TB. So our cure rate must actually be 90. Now we are at 87%. It means we, we are actually heading there. But have In we... 2011, <clears throat> when we, I'm sure you, you heard about the gene expert technology. Yes, yes. That, that before that, it used to take a week to diagnose that somebody has got TB, where they must go to hospital, give their sputum, go home, and wait for a week for mm-hmm. the results. But gene expert, you give the sputum, <coughs> it gives you an answer within two hours. Now, we had 191,000 people on gene expert uh, in 2011. Now, in 2018, cumulatively, since 2011, 14 million South Africans, 14 million 672,846 have actually gone through uh, gene expect. That is the highest figure, by the way, mm. uh, in the whole world. We, because we are the, we were far ahead because we started uh, in 2011. 
to introduce the gene expert technology. So 14 million South Africans have already been tested through gene expert, whether they've got TB or not. And one of our biggest challenges, uh, Minister, remains um, it's all good and well to be able to diagnose patients and put them on treatment. Um, but, you know, we, we still have a significant number of, of patients who um, stop treatment. Do we know the reasons? Oh, it's, a, it's a very big problem, Griselda, for both HIV, AIDS and TB. Uh, there are quite a number of reasons why people default. Some will tell you that there was a long queue in the hospital. Others will tell you that they are experiencing side effects. Others is simply because they've changed from one clinic to the other and we're not able to place them because we're still putting together the unique patient identifier. But what troubles us the most is the number of what is called the missing millions. You are aware that Around the world, it is believed that 10 million people have got TB. And only 6 million in the whole world are on treatment. There is 4 million who are known to be out there with TB, but they are not on treatment because they are not known. And uh, each one of them can infect 15 other people. That's what scares us. After the United Nations high-level meeting, one of the resolutions is that we must go and find those missing 4 million. Mm-hmm. Each country has got a quarter in that 4 million. Ours for South Africa is 160,000 people, meaning there are 160,000 people out there in South Africa who have got TB, but they are not on treatment because we didn't know them. We have decided, if you remember, uh, last year, that after the State of the Nation address, when the president announced this program, that will at least trace 80,000 of them and put on treatment. Now, between April last year and December, we've actually traced 38,000 people who were not known to be having TB, but they were there. We didn't know about them. We've traced them through our community health workers. They are now on treatment. And, and so we, we still have to work very hard mm. to find the others. All right, uh, we have to take a break, uh, Minister, if you stay with us and uh, we invite you to connect um, uh, via these connection points at SAFM Radio, both on Twitter and Facebook and hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. And uh, you can also send us an SMS at 40938 charged at 150 per SMS or WhatsApp voice notes on 0614104107. Or we can also, uh, you can also give us a call on 891 as we talk about uh, tuberculosis, uh, yesterday was uh, World Tuberculosis Day and uh, South Africa was no exception in marking this day and just reflecting on far, how far we've come. And joining us on the line is Dr. Aaron Motswaledi to just help us unpack and uh, perhaps your um, contributions uh, would also just uh, help the country move forward. And the theme this year being it's time and it's time for what? We'll ask Minister straight after this. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Indeed, we value your views and you can connect us uh, uh, with us at, at SAFM Radio, uh, both on Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio and hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live, taking your SMSs as well, 40938, uh, charged at 150. Joining us on the line is Dr. Motualedi, who's our National Minister of Health, as we talk about World Tuberculosis Day. Now, Minister, you spoke earlier on about, uh, I mean, the reasons why people default. Uh, we 
we're now spending so much energy and resource looking for the 4 million li- missing. Uh, but are we listening to the ones who s- stop their medication, the ones who default, and at least address some of their concerns um, because before we can actually hope that others uh, would join in? No. The, remember, the 4 million is globally. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's the whole world. But each country has got a specific figure, which is estimated in South Africa, is 160,000. The problem with that, Criselda, uh, uh, is that they, they are busy infecting others without knowing. And this 38,000 which we found, we simply, tra- they were infected. We traced them by getting all the people who are on treatment in our clinics, going to their homes to try and trace uh, uh, what is called, is called contact tracing. Go to their homes and find who has been infected in that family or not. That's how we unveiled these 38,000 people, which means it was still going to spread. So it's, it's very important. Some of those people who have defaulted, it's a problem, but some of them default after taking treatment for some time after they are no longer infective. So the people who are more infective are the ones who have got TB, are not known, are not on treatment. Those who have been on treatment are a danger to themselves because they may go into MDR. That is also a very important to, to, mm. to find them. Now, Mac from Bumalanga is sending us an SMS that uh, why is uh, the minister telling us um, that one of the things regarding TB medication at clinics, um, but not mentioning that the fact that once a patient is on treatment at one clinic, they go to another um, for repeat scripts uh, because there seems to be no medication at some of the clinics. It's not uh, patient defaulting um, where there's no medication available. No, we, we have told clinics it's quite unfortunate, and I want to announce this publicly. We have never run out of TB medication in South Africa. If, yes, if there's a particular clinic that has run out, it doesn't mean the whole country has run out. Mm. They've got a number here where they must phone us, uh, so that we help. But if a patient happens to go and get treatment, from one clinic doesn't mean it doesn't mean that then they must not go back to their original clinic because that's where their records are. So maybe I can just but, take... but we discourage people from moving from clinic to clinic in search of medication because that clinic can phone us and we can help them mm-hmm. because the country as a whole has not run out of medicine. It's just logistic logistical problems in that medicine. Remember, Criselda, we also have an SVS system. I'm sure you have heard about it. Sure. Yes, an SVS where each and every clinic has been given in our partnership with Vodacom. They've been given a cell phone Mm. where the sister every week must scan on the packets and bottles of medicine to scan uh, how, how much is left in stock. So some of the clinics, if they did not do that, they'll run out of stock because after scanning, then they must order. If a clinic has not used their SVS very well, they'll run out of stock and there'll be a problem. When we started SVL, yes, we started specifically for TB medication, antiretroviral medication, uh, for diseases like diabetes, etc. We, we are now starting to add all the other diseases on the SVS system. 
Minister, I go back to the question I asked earlier, um, because there seems to be an effort, a drive to just get people on medication and not address some of the concerns that uh, perhaps they come up with. Uh, What are some of the partnerships that have been formed um, to, to address issues of poverty? When a person says to you, I can't take medication on an empty stomach, clinic is too far from where I am. These are genuine concerns that need to be addressed as as we identify the missing um, individuals who are busy infecting others? Yes. Our community health workers, Christelle, that were not much on TV, on TV, I mean to say, uh, in the past, but quite recently, we've put them on the trees of TB. Mm. Now, obviously, when community health workers visit in a family, uh, they don't do it mechanically like a person who's in the clinic. They even check the poverty status. If people are very poor and they realize that maybe some children were not on child support, then they will help to approach social development. Or if they need food parcels, mm. they will help to approach child, uh, social development. Or they will come here to us. We have got quite a number of many development partners who will help in that regard. So that is the importance of using community health workers who start knowing communities and who start knowing families and who start knowing their status. The issue of hunger is a problem around the whole world, especially in sub-Saharan Africa. Now, we can't stop as health from giving people medication on that basis because uh, fighting poverty is part of the program of government but also fighting diseases is part of the direct problem of the Department of Health. So we do give them medication, trying to link them to, 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 uh, to help, uh, like in the social development or uh, in other sectors or with development partners, but we can't stop giving them medication. But are you concerned in any way? Would you get to a place where you demand that social development uh, works with you in this regard? We have always worked in partnership. They've never refused. If you get into a family and say, uh, 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 this child is not on child support grant and the family has got no income, they do give them. Uh, there's never been a battle about that. Mm. The question is whether we're able to identify them. And so when our community health workers went in to find these 38,000 people and bringing them on treatment, they also check the, the, the profile of that family in terms of poverty levels, etc. The, the issue of, of, of a clinic being far, I'm sure you are aware that we now have 2.8 million people and we want to add a million more who are on the chronic uh, medication dispensing program, you know, central, what is called CCMDD, central chronic medication dispensing and distribution program, sure. where patients themselves, especially those who are stable, who no longer need to check up, but they just need medication. Where they come to the clinic and register, and they register a place next to where they stay, where they don't need any transport to collect their medication there. We get the service provider who delivers that medication. 2,800,000 South Africans now are on that program. They don't have to travel because we ask them to choose the nearest area from where they stay. That's one of the, of the, of the issues to solve the, the problem. And they can also use community health workers to come and help them.
Minister, let's uh, talk about uh, what each individual can do and just break down the numbers um, provincially because we've just been talking uh, globally. These are the challenges that, uh, um, I mean, the world is is experiencing with tuberculosis. Uh, When we return from the news break, uh, let's just look at uh, specifically which provinces do we have challenges with and take uh, some of the questions, comments. And here's Jolani Tulo with the news headlines. Discussions impacting your life the most. It is Lifetime Live uh, with me, Chris Alda Tutumash. And uh, yesterday, uh, the world commemorated uh, Tuberculosis Day, which was the 24th of March. And uh, this is to raise awareness about uh, the devastating health and social and economic consequences of tuberculosis. And uh, we're looking at whether we're winning the fight on TB uh, as a country. And we just reflected uh, globally with uh, Dr. Mutsualedi. And he joins us uh, now on the line. And we take your calls on 0891. 104207 WhatsApp voice notes on 0614104107 and also uh, some of your SMSs are charged at 1452-40938 and uh, we also take your messages uh, via Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live now Doctor let's look at uh, provincially what which areas are we experiencing uh, most challenges. Which areas you mean? As in Which provincially, provinces? yeah. And well, the metros, the, the, the metros, all the eight metros are responsible for 40% of the TB program of the whole country. It's 40% of the problem is, is only in the eight metros. But if you look at KZN, Eastern Cape, Western Cape, and Rauten, these four provinces mm. are responsible for 75% of the problems of TB in the country uh, uh, in terms of prevalence. Which so is, those are the problematic areas that we are trying to look at. Which is and, contrary uh, in to... Terms of, in, in terms of figures, uh, the Itequini Metro is number one wow. in terms of prevalence, followed by the Cape Metro, then the Jubek Metro, etc. But the, the biggest problem is in the the metro and the Cape metro which is contrary to um the popular belief that the drivers are poverty because uh, in the metros at least people do have access uh, what what seems to be uh, at the center maybe minister of of why uh, these metros are, are amongst the most prevalent in in the country actually Chriselda, there's a lot of poverty in metros when people are poor in rural areas they come here to the main cities mm. and put up uh, uh, informal settlements there. Uh, and, 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 and somebody was saying urban poverty is more devastating than rural poverty. Because in rural poverty, some people can fend for themselves through agriculture, etc. Mm. In the urban areas, it's important. But remember, people in informal settlement are particularly vulnerable to TB because of overcrowding, because of poor ventilation, but also because of poverty. But also, Chriselda, maybe I need to mention this because it's important. While HIV AIDS is a driver for for TB in South Africa especially, but also in Southern Africa in general, remember that in the 80s, 80% of the gold of the world was coming from South Africa. Mm. Now we are paying that price very heavily because 
some of the gold mines have produced a lot of TB, which is still with us today. And statistics actually shows that. For instance, when we examine the 53 districts in South Africa, putting the metros aside, but the 53 districts, to check which one is the highest prevalence, Number one is Livery Butra in the free state. That is around Velcom, Virginia. You know the, the gold dams that are there, the mining, the gold mining that mm. used to take place there. Number two is uh, 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 KK Kaunda. You know the area around Okni. It was all gold mines there. So, so when you check, and then number three is, 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 is Western around Caltenville, mm. also very much known for gold mines. So, so, TB also is mapped around the areas where gold are, and most of them are our urban areas because gold is the one that built urban areas for this country, especially Johannesburg. So what is the plan to protect communities in and around mining areas? Well, I don't think there's any way you can protect them because TB flies in the air. All we are doing is to make sure that around mining areas people are screened. We have sent lots of screening programs there and actually we have hired nine uh, uh, inspectors who go from mine to mine because we said it will be unfair for the mines to to mine the minerals get the money and push over the diseases to the state where we use uh, taxpayers money we said the mines themselves must screen them and since we hired nine inspectors uh, 90 percent of the mines are now screening people for tb and also treating them. And we are asking some of the mines to extend the treatment into the communities next to where they stay. So all we can do is the screening, but to prevent... Uh, in the mines, yes, you can put mine safety rules, but to the general population, it's going to be very difficult because as long as people are breathing, they breathe TB particles which are everywhere in the air. And I've got a question from Tabo, who's a dietitian, wanting to find out, uh, can Minister explain, please, what nutrition, what role is played by nutrition in the management of TB? Because currently we're having a lot of dietitians that are unemployed, staying at home, and yet there is a need for them. That's an unfair question, actually. Griselda is looking for a job via TB. It's unfair. <laughs> Every, yes, honestly, it's unfair. Everybody knows that nutrition or good nutritious food everywhere in the world will help to combat disease. It's not nutritionists or dietitians who help combat diseases. But how is the it's question unfair, of food in that particular area. He didn't say that he's unemployed. He says that there are a lot of dietitians who are unemployed and yet there's a need to educate about good nutrition. Well, I know the much here last week we explained, but I was saying it's unfair to bring it in relation to TB, whether it's him or he's talking for the others. That, uh, you know, and I don't want to say dietitians and nutritionists are not important in life, but I'm saying you can't say because there are so many who are unemployed, then you can't combat TB via nutrition. Because all you need to do is to get good vegetables, good what you call... Our forefathers and our parents in the past were eating from the fields. They were not necessarily being told by dietitians, but they were eating. So to bring this topic here, it becomes unfair because it will be as if I'm saying they are not important. But he brought, he brought it in a very wrong way, you know. All right, uh, Miles uh, wants to find out... If he uh, was talking about poverty, yes, I understand. Not unemployment or specific professionals, you know. 
Okay. Uh, Miles wants to find out, uh, Minister, why is the Western Cape, why does it have um, the highest number of uh, TB cases than anywhere in South Africa? And you've already indicated this is not true. Uh, is there a different what, what strain? What did he say? Uh, he wants to find out if there's a different strain in the Western Cape. Uh, what drives uh, TB incidents in, in the Western Cape area? And lastly, um, new TB drugs in, in, in the last 20 years uh, compared to um, importance that has uh, that is new uh, in the few years how do we compare and and that's miles yeah if i understand you you are saying why is there high prevalence of tb in, in the, the western, western cape? cape yes is is there Especially different the strain and he wants well, to know it's puzzling us Griselda, because in kzn for instance we know they've got the highest prevalence because they've got the highest prevalence of HIV and AIDS. Now, when we check the HIV status of provinces in the country, number one is KZN, number two is Mpumalanga, number three is the Free State, number four is Kauteng, number five is Northwest, then followed by Eastern Cape, then Limpopo, number eight is Northern Cape, number Nine, the last, the least uh, HIV, even though it's starting to grow, is found mm-hmm. in the Western Cape. But when it comes to TB, in the Western Cape, is the other way. I, I haven't found the answer. I've tried uh, to ask scientists to try and explain it to us uh, what what, the, what 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 is at play there. I honestly, we do, honestly don't have an answer. But mm. that's how the statistic, that's what the statistics show us. All right, and lastly, in terms of new drugs, yeah. Yes, new drugs have come on the line. And, and as you know, as I said yesterday, for 50 years, no new drugs were being innovated in the world against TB because many scientists and medical uh, professionals have thought we have defeated TB. Mm. But now they've started coming on the pipeline. And I'm, I'm very happy because we are the, one of the first people, uh, we are actually the first country who had the pro- programmatic, uh, uh, you know, a, a three-state programmatic program for betaguilin, one of the drugs that are important in drug-resistant TB. And uh, since that time, because of betaguilin, uh, 60% of all the people who are on betaguilin in the whole world are found here in South Africa. Because of that, as I'm speaking at the moment, the cure rate for MDR-TB mm. globally, the average cure rate is 55%. But we in South Africa, our cure rate is is, is actually 61% because of, of, of our use of, of, of betaquilin. We are also starting to use the laminate and uh, many other new drugs that are coming on the pipeline. I think, we, Minister, we, we use need... Them better than, I mean, more than the other countries We in the need world. another session to just educate about TB uh, in its entirety. I mean, we have not even touched on the symptoms and treatment options that are available. There's just so much more to talk about and, unfortunately, so little time. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for taking our call and thank you for um, your support uh, in thank addressing you. these challenges on air. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Aaron Motswaledi, South Africa's Minister of Health, as we're talking about uh, National TB Awareness Week. I would have loved to also just unpack uh, this theme, uh, that uh, what should we read into its time? I mean, TB has been with us uh, for the longest time, um, and uh, we're still battling on, on, on just getting it right.